Thank you for listening to this sermon from Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the teaching of Dr. David Rogers, lead pastor of Arapahoe Road. For more information about our church and its ministries, please visit arapahoeroad.org. And now, here's Pastor David Rogers. Not long ago, I would sit in my shop and, uh, and build supper tables, toys, bird boxes, whatever they were buying, I'd build I miss it. I miss the families, the tradecraft. Like this mallet. Oh, what an instrument. It's simple, elegant, tactile, all the power that you would want, yet with, with all the finesse that you need for fine woodworking. Seems I've traded it in for this. <laughs> Hammer's just looking to get the job done. It's clunky, it's clumsy, destructive. <clears throat> Tell that to the Romans, eh? The rate they've been sending me split and splintered beams back. Hardly enough time to repair before they nail some new man up on them. My wife. She thinks it's beneath me. When I told her I'd found this new work, she didn't say no, but I remember her eyes. They said it for her. They said, the Romans only pay in blood money. I managed my conscience for a while, and then Jerusalem was just turned upside down with the arrival of this, this teacher. My wife thinks he's Messiah. I never told her, but I saw this teacher speak once out in front of the temple. And his words that stuck with me, haunted me. And then just a few hours ago, they killed him. They, convenient word, when you don't want to consider whether you're involved in it. There's dozens of cross beams go in and out of that Roman storehouse, yeah? The chances that it was one of mine are really slim, right? can't shake any of them. And who could after witnessing the aftermath of it? We all felt the ground shake. We all saw the darkness come black as a raven shadowing Jerusalem as if night had fallen. We all heard that the veil had ripped. And the graves opening up. Fingerprints are all over that cross. I can feel it. Why didn't I listen to my wife? Why didn't I listen to that teacher? I don't know. 
it's too late for me. The woodworker got his priorities mixed up, didn't he? Yeah, he, he got his priorities uh, out of proper alignment. He, he thought that he could monetize the cross by selling out to the Romans while using his skill set to refurbish them for crucifixions rather than doing what Jesus said to do with crosses. Look what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said. Maybe it'll be on the screen, maybe not. We'll see. There it is. Look at that. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Look what Jesus said about crosses. He said, and whoever does not take his cross or her cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, while there's no mention in the Bible uh, of an actual woodworker who was paid by the Romans to restore used crosses for that next crucifixion and then the next crucifixion, as was depicted in the little video, uh, there were plenty of people, plenty of people, uh, who had challenges, especially when it came to the proper positioning of their priorities. And the reason that Jesus went to the cross was because his priority to make a way for all people to come back into a right relationship with God the Father, that was priority for him. It was a priority for him. Jesus prioritized himself to become the sinless sacrifice who willingly would lay down his life for salvation for all people, for every single person who would put his or her faith, hope, and trust in him for the forgiveness of sin and to receive new life in his name. So humanity's salvation was a priority for Jesus, and that was the priority of the mission of why he came from heaven to earth. It was to accomplish the priority of dealing with sin once and for all. Priority, priority. Would you say that word with me, priority? Priority. Look at this one definition of priority. Let's think about priorities this morning. Priority is superiority in rank, position, or privilege. Superiority in rank, position, or privilege. Maybe you've heard somebody say, or maybe you've even said, hey, you need to get your priorities straight. If an individual's saying that, if you're saying that to someone, you need to get your priorities straight, it means you need to do some ordering uh, of, of what is most important in your life. You need to be uh, thinking about what you really, really want to be about, where you really, really want to go, what you really, really want to do with your life. In this season, over the long haul, you've got to determine what's most important. You've got to set in place what is most valuable. You've got to identify at the highest privilege what's most important. And you're going to have to figure out what's going to be of lower privilege or priority in your life. Let's think a little bit deeper this morning about priorities. 
priorities. Now, for, for, for this Jewish woodworker that we just saw in the video a moment ago, his priority seemed to be making money rather than serving God. He sold out his woodworking skills to acquire more and more cash, even if it meant the result of his handiwork would actually be used to execute people of his own kind, Jewish people who were being unmercilessly, that's a, uh, how about unnecessarily, that was a tongue twister, mercilessly, I need to just get away from that word, I can't make it fit this morning, I haven't had enough coffee. The Jewish people were being persecuted terribly, how about that? And he was kind of aiding and abetting in a way, was he not? That was a misplaced priority. Think about Jewish people for a moment. If you don't know a whole lot about Jewish people, you need to know this. Jewish people are fiercely loyal to one another. Fiercely loyal to one another. We've seen some fiercely loyal people being played out in the news on the other side of the world recently, have we not? The Ukrainian people, fiercely loyal to one another, yes? The Jewish people, fiercely loyal to one another. Historically speaking, Jews actually prided themselves in suffering together. Suffering together through the difficult times in life, through the hardships in life. There's something about being together, particularly if you are a Jewish person. Throughout their rich and storied past, the Jews waited for a Messiah who would rescue them from their oppressors, restore their people back to their rightful and chosen place before God. That's what they were waiting for. That's what they were suffering through, and they were doing it together. So think about what we just saw in the video a moment ago of this woodworker. See, for a Jew to betray a Jew by helping the Jewish people's oppressors for money, that was unthinkable. I mean, that is, that is a blinking red light that somebody's priorities are out of whack. Something must have happened in that woodworker's heart to allow such assistance to the oppressors of the Jewish people to occur just for a little bit more money. And the, the video depicts this woodworker recognizing as he moves through his thought process that, man, something is not right in my life. That there is, that there is a priority that's been put on top that doesn't need to be there. And as he's reflecting, it's when he crosses paths, he remembers Jesus, a, a fellow Jew, and how he went all the way to the cross. And if this, if this Jew named Jesus was who some of the other Jewish people are saying that he was, well then, yeah, this woodworker, this Jewish woodworker did just aid and abet in murdering the Messiah on a cross and perhaps one of the crosses that had his fingerprints all over it. And he sat with that, at least in the video. And prior, prior to Jesus experiencing the atrocities, 
that accompanied him on that Good Friday cross. Know this. Part of the reason that he was there is because he was gaining and had gained such popularity with the Jewish people. I mean, his miracles were known throughout the region. And his teaching, his teaching all throughout Israel just continued to bring in the crowds. When Jesus taught the masses one day on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, one of the many things that Jesus talked about in this famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount dealt with priorities. It dealt with a person's priorities. You can find this, uh, this message recorded in Matthew's gospel over in Matthew 6. And, and this is a, a place over in the Sea of Galilee on the hillside where it's believed that Jesus actually spoke these words, the Sermon on the Mount, preached these words. Allison and I had the chance to stand there and look out on the Sea of Galilee. This is a banana grove down here. Don't know that it was there on the day that Jesus preached. I don't know if everybody, you know, picks a banana and goes and listens to the preacher or not, but man, it's a beautiful place. It's an incredible place, an amazing view. And what Jesus said on that day continues to impact and change people's lives today. N.T. Wright notes how the whole sermon that Jesus preached was about taking a great risk of faith. Meaning that if, if one is going to change the world right now, then you and I, we need to believe that God is God. That God is God. And then to let that truth turn your national and your personal priorities upside down or maybe right side up. Yeah. What God really wants, he wants a revolution. He wants a revolution of everything, including the, the, the true priority of giving people, of people giving their heart to God. Whatever else they may be dealing with, if we will give our heart to God, all of a sudden priorities begin to be in alignment. Let's talk about that a little bit more this morning. The priority that Jesus is talking about all throughout his Sermon on the Mount begins in a person's heart. Would you just say this word with me? Heart. Say it again, heart. One more time, heart. What does that mean? It begins in a person's heart. Well, part of what it means is this, that it's not solely what happens on the outside that matters. That's a relief, yeah? <laughs> it's not just what people can see that matters. It's what is happening on the inside of a person that really counts in God's economy. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 24, that's where we want to kind of zone in today and see what Jesus is teaching about a person's priority. So would you take your Bible, would you open it over to Matthew chapter 6. I want us to look at these verses together and think about priorities a little bit this morning. As we examine this part of Jesus' sermon 
Just pay attention over and over again how, how Jesus redirects people's priorities from what they do on the outside, from really focusing on the outside so that everybody around them can see and be aware and know, oh, wow, this person's really got things together. And instead, Jesus is going to talk about what's going on inside a person, inside a person's heart, life, mind, soul, that the Heavenly Father is really keen to. You see, Jesus is talking about the priority of our hearts being right with God. So we're just going to kind of parachute into the middle of Jesus' sermon. If you wanted to read all of his Sermon on the Mount, it begins in Matthew chapter 5 and concludes over in Matthew chapter 7. So we're just going to jump right into the middle and we're going to notice that Jesus is talking about the priority of a person's heart in this part of the passage. So beginning in Matthew 6 verse 16, Jesus starts talking uh, about what people prioritize on the outside that others can see when he says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be what? May be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by other, but by who? By your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So let's talk about this for a moment. Jesus is confirming that it's not what is seen on the outside that we should prioritize. Rather, it's about what God the Father is looking at, and He's looking at what's going on inside of a person. The inside. It's the inside that God looks at first. And then two times in these three verses that we just looked at, Jesus uses this phrase, when you fast, verse 16 and 17. Hey, when you fast, when you fast, hey, when you fast. So fasting, let's talk about that for a minute. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Well, what's it used for? Well, one of the things that it's used for is to help keep the main thing, the main thing. It, it helps our priorities stay in the right order, in right alignment. And Jesus, Jesus sometimes fasted, as we see in the gospel, as we read. And he expects his followers to do the same. He didn't say if you fasted, when you fast. And so let's talk about what fasting is. Fasting from something means to go without for a while due to spiritual priority. It's a, it's a decision, it's a discipline where you're saying, I, I need to make sure that my heart's right, that my life is right, that the insides are in alignment with who God has created me to be and what God wants me to be about. Fasting helps us keep our spiritual priorities and our life priorities in good alignment. And so in this instance in the sermon, Jesus is talking about going without food for a set period of time 
not just to shed a few pounds, but, but actually as a spiritual discipline to help people focus on making God their number one priority rather than just their hunger pains getting tended to. Think about that for a second. So fasting is a way to help people remember what truly is priority number one. So if you're having a difficult time keeping things in order, if you find yourself chasing after all these other things happening in your life, maybe you could begin to try the spiritual discipline of fasting. What if you just tried that once a week between now and Easter? As you're making your way toward Easter in the next few weeks, what if you did some soul work, some inside work, some heart work? And one of the ways you began to do that was through fasting, fasting from food, or maybe fasting from something else in your life that is just a regular occurrence. Maybe it's listening to podcasts or listening to the radio or, you know, social media or, or whatever. Doesn't, doesn't mean that's a bad thing. It just means, man, every time you reach toward it, you remember, ah, I'm trying to prioritize the inside. I'm going to set that aside and, and let the, 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 the hunger pain drive me into the presence of God. Allow the silence of not listening to whatever drive me into God's presence. And we use it as a spiritual discipline to help remember what is priority number one. What is priority number one? God is priority number one. So Jesus is not rejecting fasting here in, in, as a spiritual discipline in his message. However, Jesus is rejecting anybody who's fasting so that somebody else can go, wow, look at you. Aren't you special? Aren't you committed? You must really love God if you're fasting. How would anybody know you're fasting? You'd have to what? You'd have to tell them, or you'd have to use some extreme body language. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, a person who is fasting for the accolades of others, being able to see them and see how devoted they were, that's a misplaced what? A misplaced priority. Yeah, you're tracking with me. That meant something on the inside is out of alignment if I'm trying to get a pat on the back by showing everybody else how much I love God. Something on the inside is messed up. It's out of alignment. When you think about fasting and you, you study about fasting in the scriptures, the, the Mosaic law actually did not explicitly require fasting except for one day of the year. It was a day known as the Day of Atonement. However, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders known as the Pharisees, they tended to fast two times a week. And when they did that, they started letting everybody know that they were fasting. And they would put on this outward display. Oh, today's fasting day. Oh, golly, I'm hungry today. If I could only have some hummus. I sure am hungry, but I sure love God. kind of walk around. Well, I 
might not comb their hair that day. They might make sure they're, they just were wearing this, oh, so hard to follow God. But I love you, God, so I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to do it again in a couple of days. And Jesus is going, you get a zero. You don't even get a completion grade. Your priorities are so mixed up. See, Pharisees, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they wanted to make a big deal of fasting and make sure everybody knew what they were doing. And it was a misplaced priority. And if everybody didn't see him fasting, it was like, well, what was the use of that? It's kind of like posting pictures if you go on vacation. Yeah? Anybody do this? Get your phone out. And I mean, it is... Hey, we got to take a picture here. We got to take a selfie here. Let's make sure that all the background is good and they see the beach or they see the blue water or they see the mountains or whatever because, I mean, why go on vacation if you can't show everybody else that you're living your best life now, right? Well, maybe not. I mean, I mean that's, a, that's a misplaced what? Yeah, that's a misplaced priority. I mean, share your pictures, great. But the only reason you're going is to share your pictures. Something's messed up, right? And for the Pharisees, let's go back to our Pharisee friends here for a minute. The Pharisees, it wasn't about smiling and taking selfies and showing how great their life was. Man, it was about frowning and and moaning and groaning and having just this outward appearance of, I hurt so bad, but I love God so much. No, 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 no. That's a misplaced priority. If you think you're going to impress everybody else and God by how hard you're showing it is to follow God. These fasting hypocrites, they were purposefully drawing attention to themselves so that everybody would like, 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 like what they were doing. Oh man, I'm really impressed. When really, when it comes to fasting, the only person that we want to like that is God. Because really, He's the only one that really needs to know, right? Yeah. And Jesus is saying in His Sermon on the Mount that there can be no right fasting apart from a right, take a guess, heart. If your heart's not right, Your spiritual discipline is for nothing. And a right heart leads to right living. And a right heart leads to a right attitude. And and Jesus is really talking about making our heart a priority before God. Because he knows a profound truth. Write this down. Spiritual problems always are heart problems. Spiritual problems always are heart problems. If you didn't bring something to write that down, let's at least take an out loud note. Would you say this with me? Spiritual problems always are heart problems. Watch as Jesus talks about our heart problems in these next verses. Man, he just talks about 
these spiritual problems, these heart problems, as we keep working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Jesus is talking about the priority of our heart, making sure that our, our heart is right, our heart is, is at the top of the priority list, our heart is set on God. And, and, and friends, this is the root of our friend the woodworker's problem that was manifested in the video. Jesus goes on to talk about it here in verse 19 and following. Look what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Underline that word rust. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves... Wow. See, God really wants you to pay attention here. Scott's going to let us know if we need to practice a fire drill. And if we do, we'll just keep preaching outside. How about that? You know, I've been preaching here 11 plus years. I've never had a fire drill go off in the middle of this. So what this tells me is that there's not a fire, that we're good to go. George is giving me a thumbs up, and everybody give him a hand for uh, responding to that fire drill. Somebody pulled a fire alarm, right, just so they could get out of here because they didn't want to hear about the priorities. Let's get back into this. Verse 21, Jesus is talking. Oh, look at this. He says, for where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Look at here, verse 24. Doesn't this speak to our woodworker? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Say this last phrase here with me, would you? You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see, in, in these verses that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about spiritual problems. And as we said, spiritual problems always are what kind of problems? They're heart problems. Their heart problems, these spiritual problems, they stem back to the issue of priorities in our lives. I mean, look again there in verses 19, 20, and 21. In, in verses 19, 20, and 21, Jesus is talking about the, the priorities between finding ultimate value, right? At value in, in, in treasures that we try to get our hands on, treasures on earth, versus those treasures that we store up where? In heaven. If you keep reading in verses 22 and 23, Jesus is talking about the priorities between stinginess and generosity. Stinginess, it, it said, Jesus says, that leaves people in the dark. Versus generosity, that moves you into a well-lit life. Where nothing's in the 
dark. No secrets. You're just generous rather than stingy. If you were to keep looking there in verse 24, 24 is where he really talks about the priority of worshiping money versus worshiping God. Yeah? Money or God. And all of these warning signs in this part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, they all go back to inside issues of the heart. He's identifying heart problems. And spiritual problems are always heart problems. In, in verses 19, 20, and 21, th this is so good. Jesus, he, he's not prohibiting making sensible provision for the future, okay? He's not, he's not slamming anybody for making a good living and for making sure they put some back and save some and invest some. And he, he, He's not ragging on that. What he is calling out are our misplaced priorities that lead to greed. He's not calling anybody to live in poverty in this part of his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is trying to deliver people from a false sense of security in their wealth, in their possessions. Anybody lost a little bit in their 401k or their retirement lately? A little bit? Yeah, it's kind of gone down a bit. Are you absolutely so obsessed with that number that you're looking at that more than you are searching the scriptures for the promises of God day in and day out? Where's your security? Where's your real security? I confess, I'm logging in. I'm looking at mine. There's some days I'm going, hmm. There's other days I'm going, hey. If my whole outlook in life is based on how the graph reads for my investments, something's out of priority. <laughs> Something is misplaced in my life. Doesn't mean it's not important, it just means it need not be preeminent. Yeah? And Jesus is saying, be careful there, be careful there. Je Jesus says, beware that the stuff that you're trying so hard to get your hands on, just know it's going to be destroyed by moth or by rust or somebody going to steal it. Rust. I asked you to underline that word a minute ago. Did you see it again there? Verses 19 and 20. That word for rust is an interesting word. The, the word for rust is the Greek word brosis. Brosis. In the Greek, it can be translated eating. 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 I love the Greek language. It's a precise language. It has some really, really interesting insights if you'll take time to kind of dig into it a little bit. So this word, rust, brosis, eating, th this word has the, the context of, of little mice eating away. Just eating away at something that you've stored away. Maybe it's clothing, maybe it's some food, and, and, and it's just eating away. If you have a phone, you may want to take it out. I'm going to put some things on the screen for you to take a picture of and think about. 
Let me give you a, a few questions to think about this week from this part of Jesus' teaching. Ask yourself this. What's eating away at you in this season of life? What's eating away at you in this season of life? How about this question? What's eating away at your peace? What's eating away at your peace? Is it the news? Well, what might you need to do for a, just a little bit? Yeah, maybe you need to fast from news this week. If your peace is gone every time you turn it on, doesn't mean you're sticking your head in the sand. It may just mean you're doing a heart check, right? You're doing a heart check because you want to be really intentional about your priority of your heart. How about this next question? What's eating away at your joy? What's eating away at your joy? The scripture says in God's presence there's fullness of what? If you've got none or it keeps getting eaten away, do you need to make a correlation of where you're investing your time? Are you investing it everywhere else but drawing near to him? Scripture says if you draw near to the Lord, he does what? He draws near to you. How about this next one here? What's eating away at your hope? What's eating away at your hope? Think about this with me for a moment. Could it be that what's eating away at you stems back to a misplaced priority? Might, might Jesus diagnose what's eating away at you as a spiritual problem rather than a money problem? Hmm. I've told you before when I preach, I preach to myself. So I'm preaching to me this morning. And we need to remember something. We need to remember this. Spiritual problems always are heart problems. I mean, perhaps the woodworker didn't have money problems after all. He may just have had heart problems because he had misplaced priorities. However, if we if we think that Jesus only cares about our hearts and not our hunger pains from lack of food, then, then we're not truly being faithful to the teachings of Jesus because what were so many of his miracles about? <laughs> Feeding people, yeah? He cares about your hunger pains. Jesus is both deeply concerned about our heart issues and our hunger issues. Absolutely. Nevertheless, Jesus desires for people to be free from the tyranny of things, free from materialism, free from the misplaced priority that leads to greed. I love this quote that biblical scholar D.A. Carson wrote. Look what he, look what he says here. He says, the things most highly treasured, read that prioritized, the things most highly prioritized occupy the heart. 
the center of the personality, embracing mind, emotions, and will, and thus the most cherished treasure, the most cherished priority, subtly but infallibly controls the whole person's direction and values. What's he saying here? The thing you value the most is the direction your life begins to move toward. The thing you value the most is like the rudder on your ship that moves you in that direction. So let's love God with all our mind for a moment and think about this question. Do you like the direction of your life? Do you like the direction of your life right now, today, in this moment? If the answer is yes, my guess is your inside is probably prioritized pretty well. If you're going, "Mm, is there a misplaced priority steering your ship in a direction that you don't really want to go? Are there areas in your life today that need to be reprioritized. If there are, let me encourage you to do something. Make some decisions today. Jesus said, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. One of the ways that you can keep it holy (laughs) is by giving the whole of who you are to him and reprioritizing that which is superior and to shift the direction back towards following Jesus I can't imagine a better way to remember this Sabbath day (sighs) to take a deep breath spiritually and go you know you're right Jesus by the way he's always right (laughs) and just go yeah I, I need to make some decisions about what's steering this ship. I need to think about my problems. And it may be that I've got some spiritual problems that need some work today. I've got some spiritual problems of misplaced priorities and they've been haunting my life. And as we've identified in Jesus' teaching, spiritual problems always are heart problems. Do you have a heart problem you need to deal with today? Does it deal with your treasure? Remember what Jesus said in verse 21? Look at it again with me if you would. For where your treasure is, there will your what? Your heart be also. And then he goes on to declare just a few verses later in verse 24 that a person can't have his or her heart set both on God and on money. Jesus categorizes God and money as two different masters. And he says a person can't serve them both. He's saying you can't keep one eye on God and one eye on money. You just can't do it. Because if you try to do that, you know what's going to happen? It's going to begin to divide your focus your loyalty 
and your heart. In a sense, you must decide and prioritize who owns you. To whom you bow down to. And who it is that you're really going to follow with the day in, day out decisions of your life. Otherwise, if you try to keep one eye on God and one eye on your money, you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up cross-eyed. You're going to end up with a life that's out of focus. And you're going to have a massive headache that goes straight back to your heart. That's what's going to happen. And the heart problem, mark it down, is going to be a spiritual problem because spiritual problems always are heart problems. If you've got your phone, you may want to take it out one more time and let me give you a a few more opportunities to snap a few pictures to think about this week. Because I think Jesus wants us to consider at least three things this morning. The first one is this. What is your priority? Second, who is your priority? And then third, where are your eyes focused? Where are your eyes focused? It's interesting, Jesus is talking about the eyes here. In verses 22 and 23, look what he says about our eyes again. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Some biblical scholars, they make the point here that the eye of a person actually can look into the heart of a person. And some some even suggest that there's an equivalency to a person's eye and what's in a person's heart. So the healthy eye or the good eye that Jesus mentions in those verses, it stems back to what we were talking about a minute ago, this definition in this life of generosity. Generosity, a good eye, light, generosity, freedom, as opposed to an unhealthy eye or a bad eye or an evil eye as some refer to it, that Jesus mentions, that stems back to a definition concerning living life closed-fisted, stingy, miserly, greedy, bad eyes, stingy eyes, evil eyes. And so Jesus is saying, what kind of eyes do you have? It goes back to your heart. It's the difference in living open-handed, Freely knowing that as writer James talks about, everything we have is a gift that comes from God. Versus living close-fisted. And all you're trying to do is grab and hang on to for fear of losing it. When you think about that, which, which way was the woodworker living life? Like this? Or like this. It was like this, yeah? He was trying to hang on, grab all he could. And Jesus, friends, this morning, and as we're walking towards Easter, he is inviting us to open our eyes, to have a clear-eyed view 
of our lives. And he urges us to live open-handed, to live life free from, from a treasure that's going to link our heart to something that's going to misplace our priorities. Instead, Jesus is, is beckoning us, inviting us, modeling for us, follow me, live generously, live obediently as we choose to bless and to share and to trust that everything we have comes from our Father in heaven who's open-handed to us. That's the kind of priority living that we want to see our heart moving toward open-handed and generous living. It, it never lets the moth and the rust get to you. It doesn't eat you up from the inside out. Instead, you get to experience the priority of God's provision for your life as one who really does trust him. And those who choose to be obedient to tithing, you have testimony after testimony after testimony of how you cannot outgive God. When you trust Him, oh my goodness, He just keeps entrusting to you. If you've never given, I, I encourage you to begin that discipline and that act of worship and test God in this and see what may happen. Your priorities may line up differently. And you get to experience how good God really is. And I want you to know something. I want you to know this. Don't, don't for, ever forget this. You are a priority to God. You are a priority to God. You're not a coincidence. You're not an afterthought. You're not a surprise. You're not a mistake. You're not a nuisance. You're not just another mouth to feed. You were made on purpose with a purpose. For such a time as this. And if that is true, which it is, then our question today is, God, how can I respond? How can I respond to being a priority of yours? How can I live my life in such a way that everybody knows how good you are? Because what God says is this, I love you. I created you. I have plans for you. I love you from the inside out. And to show you how much I love you, you're walking towards Easter to be reminded. That's how much I love you. That I would go all the way to the cross for you because you're a priority to me. And the way that we can prioritize God in all of the way that we live our lives is by giving him our heart all day every day living with our hearts out before him choosing to set our heart on him choosing to set our eyes on him choosing to reprioritize everything in our lives and say we set it on you we choose you Lord we want to point other people to you we want to speak of you we don't want to hide the truth we want to share the truth. Somebody asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You know what Jesus responded? Love the Lord your God with all your, all your heart. What does the scripture say? <laughs> he actually had that person answer his own question. Jesus is inviting him 
to check the priorities of the heart. And when your heart is in right priority, the blessings of God are incredible. The heart is prioritized rightly. You know what? Everything else in your life is going to fall into place. If you're able to, would you stand with me? Because I want to give you one final question before we respond to the Lord and worship through song. It's this question right here. Where's one area of life that needs to be reprioritized today? Thank you for listening to our podcast. Feel free to distribute this recording, but please do not sell or alter it in any way. For more information about Arapahoe Road Baptist Church, please visit our website at arapahoeroad.org. Arapahoe Road Baptist Church is located at 2256 Arapahoe Road in Garland, Texas, with Sunday morning worship service at 1045 a.m. We hope you'll join us this week.